We're about to make history, each and every one of you. We use the word revolution because this is a revolution. I am NXT, and I'm not going anywhere. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Bro. This is an official declaration of war tonight to anyone who wants to get in my way and anybody who stands in AEW's way. We are NXT! This is what you call a paradigm shift. Hello and welcome to another week of the WWE vs AEW podcast. I am your host, Daniel. Welcome to the show, everyone. Week 17 of the Wednesday Night Wars. We had Dynamite from Cleveland, Ohio, and of course NXT from Full Sale. So, on the show today, we're going to be talking Hangman Page. We're going to be talking Luke Harper, we're going to be talking the ratings, Dynamite, NXT, and the winner of the week. Um, just want to start the show by saying thanks to everyone who listened to last week's show, um, our highest downloaded show. Maybe Chris Jericho's boat is a big draw after all, but yeah, just want to say thanks to everyone who listened to the show last week. Um, hope you've all joined us this week for the show. I suppose if you're hearing this, then you have joined us for the show this week. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed last week's show. Um, yeah. Of course, for someone who does this without like any intention really of making any money for it, just do it for obviously a bit of fun. It'd be nice to make a bit of money down the line, but it's always great to see people downloading and listening to your work. So yeah, as I said, at the time of recording this morning, it's quarter to nine on a very cold morning in Northern England. I can hear, looking into my garden now, the swing is blowing like crazy. So if you can hear any of the wind, I apologize for that. But yeah, I am in about 15 minutes, New Japan starts, the New Japan um, new beginning in Sapporo show starts, so I'm going to have to miss the first 15-20 minutes of that show for this recording, that should be a great card today, I'm looking forward to watching that over the next two days, but nonetheless this is the WWE versus AEW show, so I guess we should be talking some of that, so just quickly, if you're um, not already subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, just search WWE versus AEW. Subscribe to the Neutral Wrestling feed as well. Just search Neutral Wrestling. Or, of course, if you want to make a nice donation, no, there's no binding thing saying you have to. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Neutral Wrestling. So, yeah, so as I alluded to at the start of the show, we're going to get into it by talking about... Something I really wanted to talk about, I felt like it, it's probably going to be the headline story, the headline the show we're going to talk about this week, and that is Hangman Page. Now, if you re- listen to some of our earlier shows, week one, week two, week three, I will probably be on there talking about how they have mishandled this Hangman Page. And well, so if you look at it at the start of it, they quickly announced him um, last January as like he's going to be our next, he's going to be a world champion here. Um, they quickly thrust him into the match with Pack at Double or Nothing, which got changed and Hangman Page went on to win the 
uh, Battle Royal, um, facing Chris Jericho at All all, all in, all out, whatever it was called, in August. So, Hangman Page was in there against Chris Jericho. Hangman Page was cold going into that match. Very cold. The crowd were all up for Chris Jericho. Um, obviously, Hangman Page came out on the horse, which got a big pop. But it just felt like it was the wrong time for Hangman Page to be in that match. I mean, now, looking back, you can see how I was in the first ever AEW World title match. So, to look how much more he is over, what, seven Eight months from All Out is just it's just every credit to the people who are booking All Elite because he's gone from being like we're gonna have to turn him heel. What well, that was only six weeks ago. People saying, "Oh, he's clearly turning heel on Kenny Omega." And as we know, sometimes when a babyface flops as a babyface, the natural thing to do is turn them heel. I'm talking about Seth Rollins. I'm talking about Bailey in some form of sense in WWE. When they start to fade as a babyface, you turn them heel. Now. As they've been building up what looked like this Hangman Page heel turn on Kenny Omega, a lot of things have started happening. I mean, it all started early on with this cowboy shit. He's going to do some real cowboy shit stuff, he said on, I think, one of the early promos on Dynamite. And since then, he's sort of taken on this... Um, he's hitting the beer, isn't he? Hitting the beer. So it's been it's provided some great comical moments. And who'd have thought it? Someone wrestling kicking people's ass and drinking beer would be relatable for wrestling fans. I mean, where have we heard that one before? So, it looks like, as we're going into this, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, they're going to be feuding with the Young Bucks. I'm guessing they're going to... Well, not guessing. It's very strong likelihood. They're going to be facing the Young Bucks for the tag team... Defending the tag team titles at Revolution. Now, you'd think that might lead to a match between the two at Double or Nothing. And for me... Hangman Page has got that over with this beer gimmick. I don't think they can turn him heel. They definitely, definitely shouldn't even be thinking about turning him heel. Um, he's on the brink of becoming a real, real star. It's just a question of how you keep it going. But the crowd are behind Hangman. As soon as he comes on the screen, my eyes are glued to the screen. I know that's the case for other people. So, for me, they need to keep going with this Hangman Page thing. Just have him carrying on as he's been doing. And maybe... Throwing a swerve, maybe we're talking about faces who seem to have flopped a little bit. You could maybe say Kenny Omega's in that boat. I mean, he's not the same as he was in New Japan, mainly down to like the booking of his character. So, look how great he was as the cleaner in New Japan. You could easily have Kenny Omega be the one who turns heel on Hangman Page, or you could keep them all together. But for me, I think if Kenny Omega went heel on Hangman, he'd be getting booed badly. Whereas maybe if Hangman Page went heel on Kenny Omega, because the Hangman Page character is so over, he would be receiving cheers. So, yeah, this, I just wanted to talk about Hangman Page, because I think it definitely needs to be said, the way people have been criticising AEW for their booking, but the way they have handled Hangman Page, they've gone from having him being a babyface that isn't getting cheered, to on the brink of stardom in the space of three to four months, which is purely down to their great booking. So, they deserve a pat on the back for that. Um, Hangman Page deserves a pat on the back for that. He's perfect for this character. I mean, on Dynamite this week, just unbelievable booking where Kenny Omega's out there defending the Young Bucks. 20 to 30 seconds later, you've got Hangman Page stumbling out there. He goes, hold my beer while I give him a buckshot lariat. Holds his beer. Bang. Hits the lariat. Takes his beer back. Pisses off. Absolutely brilliant what a character this is and i'm excited to see where it goes so yeah 
that is was the lead story on the show this week. But I just I just I just think it's been brilliant. Hopefully they don't do a WWE and mess it up. But I have a little bit of um, a little bit of confidence. And um, now I don't think I alluded to this at the start of the show, but there is we're gonna have to talk about this. I mean, it's been everywhere on social media these last few days. Maybe this should have led the show. But hey, I needed to get that hangman page stuff out there now. Yesterday, yesterday, we we all know we're gonna talk a little bit of this. So it's been known, common knowledge, that the revival seem to be wanting to leave WWE. This feels like it's been going on for a year, at least, at least a year. The Revival are pretty much one of the best tag teams in WWE. They were fantastic during their NXT run. Um, and so these last few months, they've gone from like their serious gimmick to just like doing a little bit of a comedy gimmick. Do you know what I mean? Doing jobs. So starts to make you think, are they, are they jobbing them out on the way out? Is that what they're doing? But yesterday, um, I think, was it Alvarez? He's saying that The Revival have yet once again requested their release from WWE. So... They're requesting the release. This must be the third or fourth time it's happened. I'm sure the contracts end in April, but it's strange that they've um, requested the release. I mean, the rumour is they have been offered 700000 Now, nobody seems to be reporting this, whether it's each or combined, but it does look like it's been 700000 each. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 700000 each, which is like, what, 12, 13 grand a week. So these guys are turning down big, big money because they want their wrestling career to be better, so I think we should be getting behind guys like that, I mean, I'm not judging other wrestlers that haven't done that, but you've had the likes of Anderson and Gallows, um, who else have you had, you've had Oni Lorcan, you've had Mike Bennett, who have requested their release, there's been others probably, requested their release, then gone back on their word, and signed contract extensions for the money, which I'm not judging them for, if they've got families, if they need the money, Fair enough, but I've got to say, every credit for the revival, they have not done this. They have gone, no, we care about our wrestling career more than money. We back our ability to earn this money elsewhere, and they might have to take a pay cut if they go to AEW, who knows, they might, they might not. But every credit to the revival for caring more about the career than the money. They might regret that down the line, but as a wrestling fan, it is great to hear that someone is interested in something else other than the money. So, will we see the revival in AEW? I think if you're putting a gun to my head, which I hope that you're not, if you're putting a gun to my head and asking me, will we see the revival in AEW this year? The answer is yes, we will watch them go and sign a new contract extension next week. But I feel like this is different. It's going to happen. We're going to see the revival in AEW and we're going to get to see these matches with the Young Bucks that we've all wanted to see. The revival versus the Young Bucks. The revival versus Proud and Powerful. The revival versus the Lucha Brothers. Can you imagine that? The revival trying to like contain the Lucha Brothers. Oh, that will make out for great stuff. But yeah, let's see what happens with it. Hopefully it does come to fruition because they are wasted on the main roster of WWE. This is not me taking sides. Oh, I prefer them in AEW. Um, WWE's crap because WWE's not crap. But... They're not getting utilised in WWE. I was there live in the um, at the Amway Centre in Orlando when the Revival were called up for their debut almost three years ago. Now, yeah, they've had injuries. They've had injuries. Maybe they're being having time added on the end of the contracts, which is why they're asking for the release. They've had injuries, but they've had three years almost on that main roster. Really, what have they done? What have they done, really? They've had little hints of feuds with Roman Reigns, which were nothing. A couple of weeks, feuds. They were paired with Randy Orton for a few weeks, and nothing nothing came of that. But, hey, so it is looking like that. 
might happen. Another rumour this week, Luke Harper. Luke Harper, he was released from WWE, I think, 9th, 10th of December. So he would be three months gardening leave, you're saying. So that would be around, what, March the 10th, March the 11th. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer is slating that Luke Harper is slated, sorry, to make his All Elite Wrestling debut at the 17th of March show of Dynamite in Rochester, New York, which is the hometown of Luke Harper. So interesting news. Hopefully that is going to happen. Luke, a big Luke Harper fan. Um, I was talking to someone the other week about Luke Harper had Randy Orton's last good to great wrestling match. If you remember that match, I think it was in the build-up, maybe at the Elimination Chamber at Fastlane, um, building up to that WrestleMania in Orlando where we thought maybe they'd go with Luke Harper versus Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. Instead, Randy Orton beat Luke Harper at that Fastlane pay-per-view, I want to say, and um, went on to WrestleMania. But yeah, Luke Harper is a very, very underutilized, underrated wrestler, and I think he will be great for all elite wrestling. Um, so yeah, that is basically the gist of some of the news I wanted to talk about. We're going to be talking about the news a little bit more than the shows this week because I felt like it was just your typical Dynamite, just your typical NXT this week. Um, so we don't really need to go into too much detail about the shows, but I will be going through them because there was stuff I did like, stuff I didn't like on those shows. But it is now time to talk about the ratings Week 17 ratings of the Wednesday Night Wars. Could AEW go into a 5 to nothing lead for the year of 2020? Or could NXT maybe get a bit of a result in the ratings? The ratings, I'm going to read out now. The answer is no, NXT couldn't. It's now AEW 5, NXT 0 in the year of 2020. NXT had 712,000 viewers to AEW's 828,000 viewers. As people have learned who've listened to the show, quick maths may be a strong point for mine. Maybe it will, maybe it won't be. But the winner is AEW by 126,000. Put me under pressure every week to do this quick maths. Why don't, why don't I? Just work this out before the show, but no. Always has to be on air, but yeah. 116,000 victory for AEW um, in this all-important 18-49 to 49 demographic. AEW a third. They beat the NBA, one of the NBA games in this, whereas NXT flandering down somewhere in the 30s. So yeah, big win for AEW this weekend. Although, although they were down from last week's tape show on Jericho's boat, I mean, we're looking at, what, 828,000. They were getting 943,000 a couple of weeks ago, so it is a drop of about 100,000. But I think what you're looking at for AW is if there's going to be like, meh, it's like an okay show, not too much advertised, like next week's show, you're going to be getting around that 800 to 850 mark. If there's a big show with some big must-see matches on, you might break 950. If it's a really big show, you might get a million, but that's where we're looking at for them at the moment. NXT, they um, scrapped the overrun this week, so that could have dented them a little bit. Usually, they do get a boost in the rating numbers by, um, obviously, they run over 10 minutes, so people turn off AEW and usually switch on NXT. Usually, it's about 150 to 200,000 people do that, um, so that will add to their numbers. That could have hindered their number this week, so maybe it would have been a little bit closer but nonetheless AEW with another win which completes a full set for the month of January right so that is the ratings talk we are now going to get into these two shows 
Um, we'll start with Dynamite. Now, Dynamite was from John Moxley's hometown in was it Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio? I think I said yeah. Um, so the show obviously opens with Moxley comes out. He is he's getting a hero's reaction. He sort of cuts a promo on Chris Jericho, refers to how Chris Jericho. The man who looks himself in the mirror is the man who beat up a woman who stole Rey Mysterio's mask. I mean, with the beating up a woman thing, what I was thinking maybe it was Shawn Michaels' wife. Maybe it was that YouTube video, if you remember, that circled around 2009 where he's fighting with people in the parking lot. Go and check that video out if you've not seen it. Crazy video. I remember watching that as like a young, what, 18, 19-year-old thinking, is that real? Is Chris Jericho beating up fans or what? But... There you go, but yeah, so he calls out, Moxley calls out Chris Jericho, and we get what seems to be, it was great last week, as I referred to on the boat, and I'm glad it's staying around, people, the fans, serenading Chris Jericho with his theme, this is absolutely brilliant, brilliant stuff, I love it, Chris, I like Chris Jericho's theme, um, as it is, but when you've got the crowd just singing back, what have I become, now that I'm a slave. I forgot the words. I'm not good at remembering words, so but still. It is great stuff when you get to um, hear the crowd sing back Chris Jericho's themes. And you can tell Chris Jericho's like looking like I'm the heel, I'm pissed off. But deep down inside you can tell he's loving it. He's loving it. But yeah, um they just had an amazing back and forth promo. It's something you wouldn't see in WWE um like this. Just back and forth, throwing shots at each other. Um Jericho brings out the inner circle. And Moxley's like, oh, it's not five on one because I've got all of Ohio behind me. And I'm thinking, if there's ever a time for someone to jump that barricade, it would seem to be now. But that didn't happen. Proud and Powerful bring their gangsters out. So it's a ten on one. Moxley walks. That's what you want. You look at baby faces we've seen. I hate to keep going on about WWE. We see baby faces there who maybe there's three people confronting him. Like I'm thinking Kevin Owens used to do this. He'd be jumping over the barricade to get away from him. Whereas John Moxley, John Moxley walks straight up to 10 men, nuts one of them and he's ready for a scrap. A guy not scared of a 10 on 1 beatdown, a guy getting smashed and fighting. Who'd have thought that this is how you get a baby face over? It's only taken years for someone to come along and do this, so yeah. Moxley chins RT, scrapping with the security, um, and it gets broken up. Great opening segment to Dynamite, I really, really like this, and... Um, we then go to, um, well, a scene in a butcher's, and as um, someone who has recently stopped eating meat, not really what I wanted to see, but hey, no, um, obviously the butcher, it's good that they're going through with the fact that the butcher is actually a butcher, that's why he's called a butcher, so MJF um, is there, he's paying them off um, with an envelope, with the Young Bucks name on, which was great to set up the match that we'd see next, which is the Young Bucks defeating the Butcher and the Blade, so maybe MJF will need his money back. Um, so yeah, the match, it was enough, it's like a two and a half star match, it was fine, nothing spectacular. Um, but yeah, so after the match, the, the, what do I call them, the bitch, the bunny, whatever you want to call it, the Butcher and the Blade, the Butcher and the Blade, I can finally get that, the Butcher and the Blade beating down the Young Bucks, Kenny comes out in his bright pink polo shirt, to try and make the save, and then that's when we get the moment I alluded to at the start of the show, Hangman Page stumbling out with his beer, passes it, oh my beer Kenny, bam, hits the buckshot lariat, takes the beer back off Kenny, pisses off, brilliant stuff, loved it, he was only out there for a minute, and he got the biggest pop on the show, just, I love it, I love it, I, uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that was great stuff, 
So we had a great opening half an hour. I mean, I... Thursday, because obviously I work for myself, I tried to get some of my work done early on so then I could get back here and watch a bit of Dynamite before I went to go and pick the little one up. But yeah, I managed to get about 40 minutes, 40 minutes of Dynamite, and it was this 40 minutes, and it was great. I was like, this is great. Um, next, we had Cody Rhodes defeating Kip Sabian. Seen a lot of people liking this match. For me, mm, it was a bit too much involvement. I like some aspects of it, but we had like... Penelope getting involved, Lowell's doing the spot that Cody and Brandy used to do, where Brandy would pretend she was hurt. You have Arn in the ring, he gets kicked out. The best spot was when um, Kip Sabian and Penelope go to kiss, and Joey Janela's big fat head comes out of nowhere in the middle of him, and they both kiss his cheek. That was a great moment. Joey Janela sold it great. Um, but yeah, Cody Rhodes hits three cross rate cross route cross Rhodes on uh, Kip Sabian for the win. Um, I did like this. It did um, sort. Of, it sort of felt like Cody was getting his frustration of the last few months out since the MJF attack. So yeah, this was great. This was great. Finish to the match. Match itself was a bit overbooked for me, but I suppose it was entertaining. Um, next, Britt Baker is out. This has been a really strong. I'm going through this really strong show. This, um, which is different to what I said at the start. It sort of fades off towards the end, but we have Britt Baker out. She's now a full-on heel. She has a go at JR for getting the rosters, the names of the roster wrong. Calls him a barbecue sauce salesman. This is not the guy I grew up watching in the Attitude Era. Says Tony Schiavone's got horrible teeth. He's got gingivitis. <laughs> Calls out Rio for never being there. Just a great heel promo. She makes some reference to Baker. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing it's some kind of maybe NFL or rugby reference. Rugby. Um, God knows. Some, some sports fan who's listening to this over in the States, you're going to be screaming, it's, what's this guy on about? How can he not know this? But hey, I'm, I'm British, English, and the only sports that I watch from America is wrestling and basketball. Big basketball fan. Uh, it's a bad, bad week for basketball, isn't it? But anyway, let's let's try and stay positive. So, um, so yes, be alluding to that, actually. SCU, they come out in Lakers jerseys, um, showing their respect for the late, great Kobe Bryant um, and those other people who died, his daughter included, those other people who sadly passed away on that helicopter crash at the start of the week. Um, that actually, the news broke of that while me and Danny were recording um, World, the World's Collide review. Oh, it was hard to handle. That was probably one of the hardest things I've had to handle live on air. But yeah, that was um, very sad. Um, so yeah, they come out. Um, SCU get the win over Evans and Angelico. Video comes up with the dark horde that say they're coming for Christopher Daniels and everyone who is friends and family with Christopher Daniels. So who is going to be the leader of this dark order? Maybe it'll be Luke Harper. Maybe it'll be Christopher Daniels. Um, who could it be? People were saying it could be Hangman Page a few weeks ago. It's definitely not going to be him. Um, next, we get a great, really great video package for Pac. It's like a black and white video package where he's on some stairs. And he's saying that he's coming for Kenny Omega next week. He's not waiting around. He's not having Kenny Omega call the shots. It's him. He's the one going to be calling the shots. And Pac coming for Kenny Omega next week. I feel like, although it doesn't really make sense for them to have their match on pay-per-view because Kenny Omega seems to be busy at the moment. I would like to see them get a match that's not on TV. I feel like the all-out match was just like there wasn't much build for it, which was very good. They've had a few TV matches, maybe one, maybe two. I feel like it might be one. that was It was okay, but I feel like these two, given 20 to 25 minutes on a pay-per-view with a nice feud behind them, 
could have a really, really great match. Um, yeah, so after that, the main event of the show was Private Party and Darby Allen versus the Inner Circle. People, usually, I'm thinking like, if you're thinking about a wrestling show, someone comes out for a promo at the start of the show and the music hits later on for a match. The crowd are usually dead for their entrance. Not here. The entire audience still singing Judas. Love it. That has got to be, you probably already heard it, but that has got to be at least the ending of the opening of this show. Um, so, yeah. And that match, basically, the Inner Circle, it was a good match, actually. Darby Allen was great in this match, but Chris Jericho gets a brutal, brutal elbow on um, Isaiah Cassidy, flipping out for the win. And Isaiah Cassidy sold it a little bit like Edge did on Raw. I thought it was a great touch for such a young man to pick this up and do, where he's, like, twitching his fingers after this elbow from Jericho. So I don't know if Jericho told him to, but we don't know that. So every credit to Isaiah Cassidy for doing that. And then we get, they beat up Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, in particular, beats him up with a skateboard. So I think they're setting up Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara for the Revolution pay-per-view, which I think is a great idea. I'm all in for that match, excuse the pun. But yeah, that'd be a great idea to do that match at Revolution. Um, and then we have Moxley out to make the save as the show goes off air. So yeah, overall, it was a really good episode of Dynamite. It wasn't like groundbreaking or anything, but the episode flew by. There was no like really good matches to go and see. I wouldn't say, I'd say the main event, I'd probably throw three stars at. Um, nothing like, oh, you need to go and see that match. But there was just great progression of angles. Um, I said, I love that opening promo with Jericho and Moxley. Um, I love that, as you must be thinking, I'm the biggest Hangman Page fan, which I'm not, but I am of this character. But the Hangman Page moment was the moment of the show for me. Um, people singing Chris Jericho's theme I loved. Cody Rhodes hitting three crossroads. Yeah, it was more of a moment show than a match show, but yeah, a thoroughly enjoyable episode of Dynamite on the Road to Revolution. Whew. Like, I tell you what, do you know what? I always say, shouldn't do this on it, but I'm just going to have a swig of my coffee. It is only early here. And we're eight minutes into this new Japan show that I've been looking forward to. So I do hope you know I'm missing, what is it, Tiger Mask teaming up with... Is he teaming up with? Tiger Mask teaming up with someone to take on El Fantasmo and Ishimori. So I'm probably missing that right now. Hopefully I'll make the Will Ospreay tag. But let me just have a swig of this coffee. Never drink on air, it's unprofessional. For list of regular listeners of this show, we're 25 minutes in. We've not been interrupted by a postman. What is going on? Watch the doorbell go now. Um, but yeah, NXT. NXT, this is... Obviously, it, we can't really talk about NXT without talking about some of the big happenings of the weekend. They had the World Collide show at the weekend, NXT versus NXT UK. It sort of shows what an unimportant show that was when you look at the opening video package, although they did do a video package on Worlds Collide in the middle of the show, the opening video package of this NXT show was recapping last week. So they saw last week's episode of NXT more significant than Worlds Collide. Hey, I'm just saying. Um, the show opens up with a nice touch where I did like the fact that Beth Phoenix talked about what a tough week it's been for it, obviously with that incredible Randy Orton attack on Edge on Raw. So it was nice that they didn't ignore this. People would have shit on him if they had have ignored it. So you've got to praise them that they did notice to do this. Um, so yeah, that was a nice touch. If you've not watched that Randy Orton versus Edge segment on Raw, you've got to ask yourselves why. Stop what you're doing and go and watch that segment. Unbelievable segment. It felt like a true 
classic Road to WrestleMania segment, which is what it was. So go and check that out. Um, the show itself opens with Finn Balor versus Trent Seven. We had footage of Trent being choked by Finn Balor using that car door. So you've just, the night before, been choked by a car door by someone. Attacked from behind, right? And this sort of annoyed me. Trent Seven comes out, he should be out there ready for a scrap. And instead, he's come out there and he's booked to look like an absolute loser. Comes out and he's doing his little roll into the ring. And I'm thinking, the guy's just attacked you from behind and attacked you in a car park. You're now in the middle of a wrestling ring and you're putting your back to him and just forgetting about it. And of course, like an idiot, he gets drop kicked out of the ring by Finn Balor. Just thought, way to make your baby faces look stupid. But to be fair, they went up. Trent Seven's a really good wrestler. Finn Balor, well, Finn Balor can have good matches when he wants. But um, this was a really good TV match. I enjoyed it. Um, that's all that needs to be said. It was a good TV match with Finn Balor getting the win. Um, backstage, we have... A great tag team. I love this tag team at the moment. Pete Dunne and the superstar known as Matt Riddle. Ugh, what a bad Royal Rumble weekend he had. Flipping out. Getting, he got eliminated out of the Royal Rumble by Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Oh, you got Bianca Belair shining, eliminating seven people. Shayna Baszler eliminated. Bianca Belair might have eliminated more, actually. Shayna Baszler eliminating, what, six, seven people before Charlotte Flair eliminates her. We are actually going to end the show with a little bit of news about that, by the way. About Charlotte Flair and what we can expect on NXT TV in the upcoming weeks. But anyway, stay tuned for that one, um, if you've not already seen. But yeah, so it was a big weekend for NXT at the Royal Rumble, but not for Matt Riddle. Keith Lee got a bit of shine with Brock Lesnar, but Matt Riddle now dumped out 30 seconds. Dear me. Um, so yeah, so basically, Matt Riddle says Pete Dunne will end the show by showing why he's the life of the party. Um, next, we had Shotzi Blackheart out in a Sammy Guevara tank, defeating Diana Parazzo. Nothing to really say about that match. It was okay. Keith Lee is out now. This guy is so over. And he did drop a little hint in there that he's taken the North American title off Roderick Strong. But he's not finished. He's not finished there because there's someone else left on the list, Adam Cole. Are they setting the seeds for Keith Lee maybe facing Adam Cole? Mm, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I, well, I might as well talk about this now. So, actually, this led to um, Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest out. Dijakovic and Priest, and it's a really spot-heavy match. Had a good match with Dijakovic wins, so it does look like they're going to be doing Lee versus Dijakovic at NXT Portland. Um, but, yeah, so next we have Champa with a pipe. He comes out... Um, after the break, and all of Undisputed Era led on the floor, yeah, then Champa has a table out in the ring, he puts, he spray paints a yellow X on it, Adam Cole comes out, Champa says, look, I'm going to put you through this table, this brings Regal out, Regal's out there saying, oh, Adam Cole's just signed the contract, or he was going to sign the contract, Adam Cole takes to the ring, basically, he hits Champa on the head uh, with a mic, and Champa's head starts to bleed, but Champa comes back and power bombs, like he said, Adam Cole for the table, yeah? And then the crowd are chanting, with your blood, well, with your blood, whatever they were chanting, and Champa signs the contract with his blood. So that was fortuitous juice, as they call it in the business, if you ever saw it. Um, so yeah, so that is signed. Champa versus Adam Cole for NXT Portland. Now, I always see the NXT of WrestleMania weekend as sort of, of NXT's biggest takeover of the year so i was fully expecting 
Cole versus Champa, or you would have expected months ago that to be the case. But as I've alluded to on previous shows, I see this different. What I think they are going to do is, I think you can see one of two things. You're either going to have Adam Cole retain the title and face Keith Lee. And Keith Lee's going to go over and be a huge star like he already is by capturing the title at WrestleMania weekend. They clearly want to make him a star. So the thing is, what do they want more? Do they want Keith Lee to be put over as a superstar? Clearly, Vince is high on him because he's going out there with Brock Lesnar and like competing. So maybe he said, look, go full in on Keith Lee, get him as a star. So if that is the case, expect to see Keith Lee versus Adam Cole at the takeover in Tampa. But what I think they might do is, I've had a little bit of help with this, but what I think they're going to do, I think you're going to see Johnny Gargano defeat Finn Balor at TakeOver. Yep. Then you're going to see Ciampa take the title off Adam Cole. And then that is going to lead to, and fantasy booking it maybe, but I think this is going to happen. The match that was meant to happen at TakeOver New York last year, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT World title. I think that's what you're going to see at TakeOver Tampa, if I'm honest. That is where it seems to me like they might be heading, right? But what if Ciampa captures this title? Captures the title at NXT TakeOver Portland, yeah? And if you remember those years ago where they put the graphic up in the bottom corner of the show ends and Ciampa attacked Johnny from behind. What if Ciampa's there? He's finally got Goldie back. Daddy's home. He's there with a belt. The, the graphic comes up in the bottom corner and Johnny Gargano comes, attacks Tommaso Ciampa, throws him off the stage, sets up their title match at NXT Tampa. I may be fantasy booking, but for me, that's one of two ways you go. It's either Gargano versus Ciampa or Lee versus Cole at NXT Tampa. And I'm leading more towards the, the um, Ciampa-Gargano match. So yeah, that was a great segment. I saw I went off a bit there. That was a great segment from um, Ciampa and Adam Cole. And I was happy with this. We got really good Keith Lee segment. Um, well, it weren't really good. It was okay. And we had a really good Ciampa-Adam Cole segment, which is, as I've criticised before with NXT, is a bit too much wrestling for me on the show. Um, especially when it's just TV stuff. Now, 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 let's go somewhere I do want to complain about. Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai. So, Tegan Knox should be fuming at Dakota Kai after what happened, right? And the match opens with Tegan Knox is out first, and Dakota Kai's the one livid coming out attacking Tegan Knox. I'm thinking that should be Tegan Knox's spot. And then you have Candice coming out and helping Tegan Knox win by hitting Candice with a knee brace. I'm thinking. Is that how you're having your baby face get her revenge? With an assisted win with a gimmick? The booking in this match for me was all wrong. And I I wasn't really a fan of it, if I'm honest. I thought they should have blown this off at a takeover. But hey, do you know what I mean? We've had build and build for months. And their match is just towards the end of a random NXT show. Mm, a bit surprised about that. But Next, another weird booking. Chelsea Green, who was eliminated from the Royal Rumble. To be fair, they didn't even have Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai interact in the Royal Rumble, which was bizarre. And then, speaking of bizarre, as I was just about to say, Chelsea Green. She was eliminated in the Royal Rumble after about 20 seconds or something. And then here, she loses to Caden Carter via roll-up. So they're giving her all this Robert Stone build-up. And you've got a losing via roll-up, getting eliminated in the Royal Rumble. If you're trying to present her as a star, it is a very bizarre debut. So, two back-to-back -back women's matches. And, mm, 
they're not really with the women that are sort of like defining NXT. Obviously, Io Shirai is out for two months. I don't know if we alluded to that, but that is sad news, actually. Io Shirai out for two months. She will be missed, but it's Rhea Ripley that you want to be seeing. It's Bianca Belair. It's um, maybe Candice LeRae in a match, but... As I say, the rumour is, if you've not heard it, check out our YouTube channel for this. Just search Neutral Wrestling on YouTube and you'll hear all about this story. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair is set to take place at WrestleMania. So expect to see Charlotte Flair on upcoming tapings of NXT, which could maybe even boost the numbers a little bit. Um, so yeah, so just that's a quick little bit of news there. So, well, we're still really talking about NXT, aren't we? Flipping heck. 18 minutes into this New Japan show. Wasn't planned on going this long. But, hey, there was a lot to talk about on this show. So, I think we need to now talk about the main event. It was the Dusty Rhodes Classic. It was James Drake and Zach Gibson versus the Broserweights, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. This match, the crowd, they were very quiet for this match at the start and the middle. Very quiet, but the work from Riddle done from everyone, really. James Drake was even really showcased in this match. James Drake only lives. Well, well he probably doesn't anymore, but I always used to see him in my local gym. Um, but anyway, not, not that you needed to know that. But anyway, this was a really good match. They all worked well, about three and a half stars. Um, and the Broserweights get the win. They win the Dusty Classic. And they are going to face the Undisputed Era for the tag titles at NXT Portland. What a card that is shaping up to be. So, yeah, that was a good end to the show. Spoiler, it was the match of the week. So, yeah, definitely the match of the week. Now, I'm sure you all wait to the end of the show to find out who was the winner of the week. Who had the better show? Was it AEW? Was it NXT? Now, NXT... I did like the Champer angle, I liked the main event, but there was stuff on the show that I didn't like. I thought it was, I don't know, it, it was an okay show, but wasn't as good as it usually is. It wasn't one of their stronger shows, if I'm honest. But we did get a few things accomplished, the winner of the Dusty Classic, and we found out the number one contender for NXT Portland. AW continued to make a star in Hangman Page. And we got the great opening promo at the start. We set up the Sammy Guevara Darby Allen feud. And we progressed the Cody Rhodes feud. He's going to get his 10 lashes next week. So I think there was a lot more positives and enjoyment to come out of Dynamite this week. And so the winner of the week is AEW Dynamite. I believe for the second straight week in a row. NXT picked it up before that. I'm going to have to do a tally of who's winning all these weeks. So do you know what? That is going to be my homework for this week. So on next week's show, you're going to find out the tally of out of these 17 weeks, who is in the lead. I feel like it might be very close, but AEW have won the last two weeks for me. So, we are, what, 38 minutes, which is the usual time for this show. It's about 40 minutes or so. So, I think that's all we needed to talk to. I feel like we've got a lot of information out there this week. You're probably all sick and tired of me talking. This is our sixth show in the last seven days. So, I encourage you to go out and check the WWE versus AEW podcast from last week, which was a very well-downloaded show. Quite happy with that, as I alluded to at the start of the show. We did a Royal Rumble preview show, we did a Worlds Collide recap show, we did two recaps of the Royal Rumble show, so yeah, go and check all that out in the Neutral Wrestling feed, I hope you've all enjoyed the show, I am your host as ever, Daniel, and I am now going to quickly go and make a drink, have a, I 
Tivia rhubarb yogurt. If you don't know what that is, make sure you try it. They're amazing. And I'm going to sit back for the next three hours and watch New Japan in Sapporo. So I hope you all enjoyed week 17 of the WWE versus AEW podcast. And I will see you all next week. Take it on, Chris. Personified, and I will try.